I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum bum ba bum 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 bum. Chapter Seventeen: The Man with Two Faces. Hey, cool cats! Welcome to another episode. <laughs> I'm Alex. I'm Molly. And this is Potter Watch. Well, cool cats, we're here. Um, this I decided to give a um that us. I decided to do a special opening today because it's the end of Sorcerer's Stone. An end of an era. You've made it to <laughs> our through our first book of the Harry Potter series of our podcast. That's amazing. Woo. Woo. And if this is your first time listening, we recommend that you go back to the beginning. Yeah, because we really will spoil things just now. This is when we'll start spoiling yeah. things. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood. Anyway. Um, no, I was trying to think of something funny to say and nothing came to mind. So. <laughs> um, if you hear me chewing, I'm eating popcorn because it's late and I stayed late at work and I didn't eat dinner. So that's what that is. Many apologies, Colleen. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, also, just so you know, in my notes, though I was reading the book and Quirrell's name might have come up about 10 billion times, I spelled it wrong every single time in my notes. I spell checked it every single time I wrote it, but also almost spelled it wrong. There's the difference between a Gryffindor and a Ravenclaw right there. We've solved it. Yep. You were now you know what before. house you're in. <laughs> well, also, Alex and I are very excited because oh, yeah. this coming Sunday, so like the day that this gets released, we are going to the Washington, D.C. slash Silver Spring Potter Con. So excited! And yes, that's going to have trivia and Harry Potter themed drinks and um, a costume, costume contest. contest, a sorting ceremony, and... And no. Harry Potter themed drinks, did I mention? Oh, you did. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, we're going to be imbibing a lot. Um, but we're really excited to meet other Harry Potter fans and we'll tell you how cool it was and such things. And we will tell you how the trivia goes if we win. We um, really would like to, so. We've been prepping. We have the first book down. <laughs> Um, also, I feel like we, we have a team. We're going with another one of our friends and um, Molly's boyfriend. So I and we all know a good share of Harry Potter trivia. Trivia, yeah. Um, so we do not have a Slytherin on our team, which could could be our downfall. But Ben is like a Slitherclaw. He's got a lot of Slytherin in That's him. That's true. And my secondary one is actually Slytherin. So I think with that, we'll sort of like bridge the yes. the gap. But honestly, I feel like Ravenclaw is more... Um, I just meant like we don't have a full team. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, we're very excited about PotterCon. Um, if you're going, um, look for us. We look like the picture on our podcast. You won't know that because this comes out the same day as we'll be there. But... Maybe I'll be proactive and do it early in the morning. 
Ooh, to listen to our podcast on the way to PotterCon and to see us there. Yes, or retroactively, you know, just send us a, an email. Yeah, tell us if you liked it. If you've been to a PotterCon or a LeakyCon in the past and we can, like, compare notes. This will be my first, like, ever con involving Harry Potter. This is my first ever con. Period. Is, can you say the same? No. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot. I didn't mean to do a hashtag call out post, but oh, it's fine. I'm proud of my um. What my other con did you go to? I went to um, Otakon. Um, is that um, it's an anime oh. con? Yeah. Okay. Um, but speaking of emails, we have a lovely listener who emailed us. Um, her name is Melanie. Shout out. Um, she. <laughs> She wrote in about the Petrificus Totalus spell that we talked about last week or two weeks ago um, that Neville, when they did the spell on him, like how long it lasts. And she had um, her own theory or what she thought from the seventh book that um, she remembered it mentioned, it mentioned that the curse is lifted once the wand casts another spell. Um, I don't remember um so i I don't remember either um Um, but we told we emailed back Mm -hmm. we said that we would keep a lookout for it yeah so if anyone else has thoughts on that want to get a debate going you know yeah tweet or facebook or something i don't know but we're really excited about melanie emailing us that was pretty cool yes so we will respond to your emails and your tweets and all that fun stuff so get in touch with us argue with us about um theories and our opinions (laughs) yeah um some of our friends that listen to the podcast already argued with me about the fan fiction episode well i guess we'll uh get into the (laughs) chapter yeah after after all all that that. um whoa (laughs) jinx knock on wood now you can't say anything till you say your name that'll make a podcast difficult i'll just keep talking (laughs) Okay, fine, Alex. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) But we're in a really... No, leave it. Leave it. I threatened to cut out everything fun. (laughs) We're in a jolly mood today. Oh, man. Okay, so this is chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. My first note says, It was Quarrel! Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Well, that reminds me, that was the answer to the password. It Well, depending on whose you wanted to answer, it's either Quarrel or Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. I love both Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so I renamed chapter 17, Who's That Man Behind the Turban? But that's also a reference to both Voldemort and Dumbledore. Like, who's, like, pulling the strings? Boom! I am, like, <laughs> waving my hands. I am, like, doing the Matrix move. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, man. I'm really impressed. No, Mal, it my... sounds sarcastic, but I think it's genuine. No, it is genuine. I am impressed. I'm just, like, in a really good mood. Um... Now, like, my, how right before this we were saying how tired we were. <laughs> yeah, I know. My rename is going to be, like, crap compared to that. Um, 
All right. My chapter rename is All You Need Is Love. Same but different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving on to all of our quarrel notes, I suppose. (laughs) Okay. When I first read, like, when I was first had the first book read to me by my mom when I was little, this Snape quirl red herring was, like, so legit. Like, I did not, I was so flabbergasted when I was a child. I, like, didn't get it. I was like, what? I had never been this fooled before in my life, I think, up until that point. And I was like, this is, I, I need to take some time to understand everything in the book and then which is I always talk about this you can go back and see everything that happened like my mom and I had to go back but because I had such a strong reaction to this when I was little when I was later reading the sixth book and like Snape kills Dumbledore I was like she's not gonna get me again like something is up and so I was very skeptical then of the Snape hate of the Snape well not the Snape hate well like from Harry yeah like I was skeptical Uh, I was like something else has to be going on here like because Snape tried to save Harry on that Quidditch pitch and I kept going back to it and I was like things do not make sense I can't wait till we get to the end of the sixth book honestly like there's so many feelings yeah and like so much doubt I have doubt I have doubt (laughs) <laughs> We're theater nerds, if you didn't guess. That's a movie. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, um, I I mean, color me surprised when I was thinking it was Ollivander. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if anything, I thought it would at least be Snape if it wasn't Ollivander, so. <laughs> this Ollivander thing continues to be hilarious. I know. Uh, but can you just imagine, like, what a red herring that would have been? Yeah. <laughs> it's so red herring. It's almost unbelievable. Well, almost. <laughs> I Somebody... love it because you kept thinking it. Like, a child's brain, like, doesn't hold on to things like that that long. But you were like, it's Ollivander, even though we don't hear about him for the rest of the first book. Well, to be fair, I didn't think about it the whole time. It was when my mom, at the end of the book where it says, um, it wasn't Snape and it wasn't even Voldemort. She was like, well, who do you think it is? So I'm like racking my brain. If it's not Snape and it's not Voldemort, and I'm like. It must be And I was thinking about characters that I didn't like from the book, and he gave a really creepy vibe in the beginning. So, um, Yeah. Well, my kids, I've been reading it to them page by page. Like, I've actually been reading them because I finally brought the chap- the picture book right. into class. And we really only make it to through, like, two or three of those pages at a time. Because it's big, a lot yeah. of um, information for them to handle. Um, make it last, man. <laughs> yeah. I also don't know what I'm going to do in the end because it's, like, we're t- we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but it gets super violent, and I don't think I'm allowed to read that to them. Um, oh, yeah, the the end of this chapter? Yeah, like, because I already have to, like, re-change words. Like, I have to, like, say, like, get rid of instead of kill, and... Yeah. Uh, 
and uh that's good editing on your feet i oh it's a lot like i had to say restaurant instead of bar and pub because we just got to the leaky cauldron oh yeah i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't have even thought about that they're really liking it though they're cute um they're about to make their wands when we meet Ollivander, so they're super excited um yeah so i i kind of love uh in a weird way, like evil, confident quarrel. Like I think Sam. I don't know why. Okay, I don't love him. No, I don't love him, but I love like seeing that because it's it's like surprising, and also I'm like, all right, quarrel. Like I I see. <laughs> I like. See, here's my thing about evil, confident quarrel. He's still such a little. Oh, he's still like re- a coward. Like at the end of the day, but like how he's not stuttering and he's like. Yes, Potter, it was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it just be mostly because Poor it's surprising. Professor Quill. Yeah, he's like, like making fun of himself kind of. Yeah. Um, I actually am more interested in like I love it when Voldemort's talking, which is weird. Like Oh, I don't. It gives me the heebie jeebies. No, like it's creepy, but like I don't know, I just always see Voldemort as like this is your first introduction of him and I think it's a really really good introduction because he's almost like he's so weak in that position behind Quirrell's head but just his words are enough to like make you fear him you know what I'm saying yeah I well now that you're saying that though I think some of his words are really weak like he's like right like uh, he's in a very weak position I don't know it's just a, it's but a not real- even like physically like what are you saying or like weak things like he's trying to get Harry like on their side like that's like a like a last ditch move basically yeah it's I don't know I just think it's a good introduction to him as a as a villain because it shows his vulnerability and but it also shows like how much he can pow- command how, much, how yeah. much power he commands. Like when Quirrell's talking about his past and him discovering Voldemort, I'm just like, yes, this is the Voldemort that we've been told about. Like he's been he's a pers- he lives up to his reputation. He's a persuasive speaker. He gets people on his side by you know, doing this, that, and the other. And I don't think there are many other times in the book where we get to see that version of Voldemort. Like, we see the, like, I'm gonna kill you if you disobey me Voldemort Mm -hmm. a lot, but we never see, like, persuasive Voldemort. So I think it's interesting that that's our first really real look at him. Yeah. Um, On a lighter note, um, the line, you're too nosy to live, Potter, call out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Am I using call-out post correctly when I say that? I mean, yes. I mean, technically it's not a post, but, but yes, you like, are using Isn't that, it. like, a thing that people, like, just say? I don't think so. Oh. Okay. But I love that you say it. <laughs> you should continue to say it. It is a thing now. It's in my notes, so. <laughs> anyway. Oh, the, um, the... Snape and Harry's dad loathing each other. Loathing. Unadulterated loathing. Anyway. Um, yeah. First of all, how would Quirrell know, know that? that? I had the same line, like, same thing. Like, why would he know that? I 
Don't like, think he would. Are we're, unless Quirrell was at school with them at the same time. He's too young, I think. I think he's supposed to be younger than them. To be fair, I think Snape is aged up. Like, Snape isn't that... Oh, I guess he is older, because I forget. He's 11 years older than... Than 21, I think. they were. Lily was 21 when she had Harry. Yeah. Or something, or a little bit younger, so... Okay, so I would yeah, guess that Quirrell was also 30s, yeah. but... They make Quirrell seem younger. But also, like, Quirrell... Or, Snape wouldn't have talked about it. Like, he wouldn't have told people, like, how much he hated James. Like, But Voldemort's... I mean, Voldemort. Wow, well, that was an Voldemort would know that, though. Right. Voldemort would, but I also think... Dumbledore said that James and Snape were like Harry and Malfoy. Like, everyone at the school knows that Harry and Malfoy hate each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like a feud. Yeah, I'm I'm still thinking that Quirrell wasn't there with them though. So if like if he wasn't, if he wasn't, then I, mean, I don't I've know how also, he would know. Also, to be fair, never seen Quirrell in Marauders era stuff. Yeah, making I'm, it seem. To I'm me. thinking he's younger, which would make even less sense of why he would know that they didn't get along. You're right. It also makes sense that he's younger though, because they talk about him like going and finding himself, and they imply that that happens like right he's after young, he graduates, yeah. and then. Well, I think he was in the canon that J.K. Rowling has said that he taught a different subject, like muggle studies or something, before he taught Defense Against the Dark Arts and then took the year off and went gallivanting through Albania, because that's where you go, and then came back and decided to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts, which is why people know who he is. But he didn't teach Defense Against the Dark Arts before. It was like, I think it was her after the fact explaining Coral. I hope he taught Muggle Studies. I think it That's was Muggle Studies. Terrible. I mean, nothing else really makes sense, so. But Muggle, like, before Burbage. Muggle Studies then to be like a Death Eater is like a really big leap. But he, he's like not really a Death Eater. He's kind That's of the a death other eater. thing is he's too young to have been like a Death Eater. I think like. I mean, okay, so maybe, do you know what I mean? No, I'm not saying like he took the mark and everything, but like he's definitely a follower of Voldemort. Like he definitely is a Voldemort supporter. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him a Death Eater. Also, I still think he might have been partly possessed. And I was also just saying that that also goes to his age. Like he's too young to have been a Death Eater. But, like, Barty Crouch Jr. was younger than him, and he was considered a Death Eater. Draco Malfoy was certainly younger than him, and he's considered well, a Death Eater. not by most. He wasn't. After the fact, he was, but... Well, I mean, I'm just... In terms of, like, you took the mark, you, like... No, I'm saying, like... If he was older, then he probably would have been. Like, he was too young. Like, he wasn't the same age as, like, Snape and stuff. No, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, the definition of what a Death Eater is... He is, like, a follower of Voldemort. So, like, to go from muggle studies to, like, being so inspired by Voldemort's way of thinking is, like, a huge character leap, is all I was saying. I don't know if he was, like, cared about that other stuff. He just sounds like he cares about, like, the power and things. He's kind of like a Pettigrew um, follower. But see, Pettigrew makes... Because 
It makes sense for Pettigrew because Pettigrew went for power because he was scared. It sounds like Quirrell went for power because he was impressed by it. Yeah, but like I he just mean he doesn't care about the movement is what I'm saying. I guess. Do you know what I mean? You no, know, I do know what you mean. I mean, I don't know. What, did we did we figure out which house Quirrell was in? Yeah, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, right? It's so funny. And this is like his explanation for like why he joins uh, Voldemort is so like Slytherin that it like it boggles me. And I don't mean just because like he chose Slytherin because like oh like it's evil. I mean like he's just like very enamored with the power of it all and the notoriety of it. I think he's also kind of supposed to be like a scholar, which isn't necessarily like Ravenclaw. But I think in that sense, that's why he was sort of into Ravenclaw. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Like, he went looking to learn. Yeah, that's true. About power, but also, you know, that whole thing. I don't know. I feel weird talking about Quirrell this much, because he's so insignificant to, like, the rest of the story. Like the whole, but he is an grand interesting character. Like he's a vessel. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that, but that's how I see him is just like a vessel. Like I don't really think about him as a person that much. I know me either. That's why I like having this conversation. That's yeah. I feel like that's why we're talking he's about under him so much. I've never like talked about Quirrell this in depth before. I said literally only needed the mirror and maybe Fluffy for this whole like elaborate. Let's protect the stone. Like could have just used the mirror. Maybe had Fluffy, like, protecting the mirror. No need for all that other stuff. I just, I can't. I, like, don't want to, like, belay it anymore. Is that the right word? Belay a point? Yeah. I don't want to belay it anymore. (laughs) But, um, I just, I just think the whole obstacle course is dumb. And I keep calling it an obstacle course. (laughs) I see why she did it. For reasons that are, it is cool. I just mean, like, in the story. Like, I get for the greater literary device and everything, it's good. But in reality, it's I don't also like it. good for, and I just thought about this right now in my brain mind that. <laughs> That's something I say. <laughs> I know. Um, that it also follows more of the hero's journey if he has to go through those obstacles, which she... Like an odyssey type of thing. Yeah, like the Greek, which she uses a lot of, like, the Greek tropes, like a baby born um, in a special circumstance. Like, he has to go through these different steps to get to where he needs to be. And each book is a little journey, as well as the whole scheme being a journey so from that standpoint i understand why he has to do those steps because it's yeah, like very, it's a like, literary thing but in reality i don't like it yeah but but see but like that's i think you can't have one without the other like the literary part of it is there so i feel we have to go with the convention a little bit like i, I mean, also, i'm going with it i also I'm just think it's a little it. bit like silly because it it's not really what is it um it's not the most logical way for them to hide the stone. That's what I. That's what bothers me because they go on essentially a similar journey in the seventh one, but it's much more realism. 
like having to go through all that stuff to get the horcruxes and they're kind of but i think where they're hidden is still like contrived like for the horcruxes yeah like i think it's like beautiful like the symbolism like you need to like it's in bellatrix's vault but like honestly it would make way more sense if he hid them all in different very far apart countries that didn't have any you know like if i were gonna hide a horcrux i would hide it somewhere no one there wasn't a trail like, he hides them in places that are solvable. Seemingly on purpose. Well, they are solvable in the sense that, like, Dumbledore kind of explains that. I mean, he says, like, he wants it to be th- places that, like, mean a lot to him. But it's, like, not a tattoo. Like, if I, it's my I mean, it's soul. his soul. He wants- <laughs> it's, like, more significant. No, but I'm saying it's, like... If, but the whole point of him splitting his soul is so that he can be immortal. And if that were my main goal, I would hide it in, like, that forest that I met after I flew to, like, Albuquerque one time. And then I buried it in the dirt somewhere where no one could find it. And then I'd leave it and basically forget where that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's they're not random enough places. He picked specific places that people could find. Because... There would be no way to write that book without them being places that yeah, were solvable. Yeah, but I think that that is, like, uh, I think that these are more, much more, like, I find, like, straw man. Like, there's just easy to um, see through. Like, I think the Voldemort stuff is a little bit better um, with how it's developed and it doesn't seem as easy well then, devil's out. I'm just playing devil's Yeah, yeah. I, right no, now. I'm just saying that I like how it's done better in the seventh one. Back to your theory. Dumbledore knows this Horcrux hunt is coming. This is well. Yeah, that's kind of what Harry I was thinking. Why it's so easy from the beginning. Um, Give him practice at solving riddles. Yeah. My popcorn's done. There'll be no more chewing. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Back to the. What's your next note? What the nug kind of smell is coming from Quirrell's head? This is the second time we have discussed. Wait, where does it start? (laughs) Harry's like, and he ignored the smell coming from the back of Quirrell's turban. It's probably just bad breath, honestly. (laughs) What is happening? Oh no. <laughs> that is so funny. Should we tweet at JK Rowling again? Yeah. At JK Rowling, what is the smell coming from Coral's turban? Why does Voldemort smell bad? Maybe it's like magic. Maybe it's the magic that's binding him. Or like his Magic doesn't smell. <laughs> I'm sure some magic has smells has smells. It's not a potion. That's true. We're doing this right now on air. We're tweeting. This is live. <laughs> live for us. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Dot, I forgot what life meant for a second. Um, what is this? Wait, how do you spell quarrel again? Oh, no. You spell checked yourself. So okay, many- two R's and two L's. That's all I It's sent. Tweet sent. Tweeted. Tweet, tweet. Upset about something. Oh, I had... Um, a thought about the whole mirror thing 
Quirrell also wasn't trying to get the stone for himself. He was giving it to somebody else. Like, the same as Harry. But he wants... But Quirrell does want the stone to further his own self-interest. Like, Harry wants the stone so that somebody can't get it. But, like, Dumbledore says, like, only someone who would want the stone but not use it could get it. And that's technically Quirrell. Technically. No, but Quirrell does want to use it. Like, Harry in no form wants to use it. Quirrell wants to give it to Voldemort so that Voldemort can use it. And Quirrell probably would have to make the potion to do it, so technically Quirrell would use it. Like, loophole. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I had another note, a happier note on this. (laughs) Saying, I love that magic. Like, I think that's such a cool spell. I think it's really cool, too. I was just saying that. Like, whatever, Dumbledore. You did some good magic. There you go. whoop de doo like, Have a party. Snaps. <laughs> We're so... We hate so much on Dumbledore. I don't know. I think we also give him love. Yeah. I'm gonna give him love later, because he has some great quotes. I think I get mad at him later. I need to relook at my notes. I get mad at him later, too, but I also give him props for... Oh, yeah, I I definitely get mad, because he definitely lies. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get mad at that, too. Um, Okay, does Voldemort know Harry is lying because he's a skilled legitimens, or is Harry just a terrible liar? Like, both might be true, but, like... But he's like, Harry has the stone, which I'm like, um... Yeah, he definitely... Yeah, he, like, knows exactly. Yeah. Like, I think, Harry, that was a terrible lie. Why wouldn't you just say that you saw your parents? Like, that... Why would you... Yeah, why... Would you not just just tell the truth of what it was before? Harry, don't you know that's how you lie? You lie in half-truths. Yes, really, though. Like, you tell as much as the truth as you can. No, he doesn't know how to lie, which is, like, a good thing yeah, for him. whatever, that's I guess. fine, I guess. <laughs> um, the whole killing quarrel, basically, was much worse in the movie. Like, in the book, oh, it's yeah. just, like, blisters. Well, not just, but he literally How are you dissolves already into there? sand. I am not there in my notes yet. I didn't have that many notes for this part. Oh, but any, no, but anyway, yeah, it is a lot more intense in the, in the, in the movie. It also makes more sense reading it back why he can't see, um, Thestrals after this interaction because he doesn't see Quirrell die. That's true, but that's not really my issue with the Thestrals thing. I mean, it's not, but a lot of people say this is where you should I think I might have said it earlier in the podcast. I was like, technically he saw Quirrell die, but he really didn't. He, he didn't even see, know what happened. Yeah, Quirrell die. He, like, Dumbledore has to tell him that. I also said he could have seen his parents, but I think technically he's, like, in the crib and didn't really see. He just saw J.K. Rowling says that he, you have to see and understand death to see Thestrals. Mm. So, it's not even that he didn't see his parents die, because he definitely saw it with his eyeballs, but he... I don't... Yeah. I mean... Even according to J.K. Rowling. He just saw the light. Yeah. Okay. Either way. I don't know. Not important. 
He doesn't see it till the beginning of the fifth, and that's all we need to know. All right. That's fine. I feel like we're not even going to talk about it when it comes to it. But I'm going to talk about it, because he also, like, you have to get the, like, they, don't they ride back on Thestrals? So he should have seen them at the end of the fourth anyway. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, he should have seen them at the end of the fourth. Oh, yeah. After Cedric dies. Yeah. And he... But he can see them in the fifth because of... There's literally a line that says the... Horseless carriages pulled up at the oh, end of the fourth one. And that it, is embarrassing for you, JK. It really Rowling. bothers That's me. Awkward. That's what I've been so upset about all these years. That is really embarrassing. So you can't even like talk your way out of that one. She does though. She, she said tries it's PTSD to... essentially. Okay. That doesn't affect your magic. Luna can see them. Seeing your mom die from her own spell also gives you some PTSD. Like, well, she's saying, like, it didn't it hit him right away. Like, it The was, magic didn't hit him. He didn't, he couldn't see the horses. Look, man, because I'm not PTSD. even going to try and defend this. <laughs> like, what is going on? Okay, it's fine. This is the hill we're going to die on. <laughs> um... Okay. Yeah, tell me your notes. <laughs> oh, let's listen to Voldemort's speech. Don't be a fool, snarled the face. Better save your own life and join me, or you'll meet the same end as your parents. They died begging me for mercy. Liar, Harry shouted suddenly. Quirrell was walking backward at him so that Voldemort could still see him. The evil face was now smiling. How touching, it hissed. I always value bravery. Yes, boy, your parents were brave. I killed your father first, and he put up a courageous fight. But your mother needn't have died. She was trying to protect you. Now, give me the stone unless you want her to have died in vain. Um, yeah, um, first of all, no 11-year-old should have to hear that about their parents. Terrible. Obviously, it's Voldemort, but, like, for real. I think we don't give Harry enough credit for what he had to deal with in his scene. Very traumatizing. Um, because I think also this is an important part, because, like, by, like, book four, I'm like, Harry, you've been there, seen that, you've dealt with a bunch of shit, like, you're ready, like, if taking shit but in was a person. job, like, you are prepared, but, but, like, the first, this is his first time dealing with anything this harsh, and it's a lot. The Dursleys prepped him. Yeah, that's true. His terrible childhood. But not even that no, could prepare me for, like... Like, someone, like, even mentions my granny that passed away, and I'm getting a little choked up. If someone, like, the person who killed my parents... Are like, basically, like, they were cowards. Yeah, I would, like, cry. Like, I would not be able to fight. <laughs> well... And Harry fights, which I think clearly is Clearly, he's emotionally stunted. <laughs> Uh, especially if I was an 11-year-old. Like, I'd be like, uh. Could not deal. <laughs> um, Good thing he has his therapist, Hermione. Yeah, that's true. Although, like, what a, uh, what a very, uh, to the point therapist. Like, 
does not really. Uh, I mean, she's like not great with her emotions. Yeah, either. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. She's gonna give you advice. <laughs> yeah, she's great at giving advice. Not so great at like empathy. No, I just mean like she can't even figure out her own love life, yeah. and she tries to give him. Well, she does give him advice on. I mean, and to be fair, she's better at the romantic advice than, say, Ron. That's what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, Ron. <laughs> love. Love, love. But also in general, killing Quirrell also a lot to put on the 11-year-old's shoulders, Dumbledore. Like, the blistering hand thing, I, I mean, I get that, I mean, I guess he has that fuel of Voldemort saying all those things about him and his, like, the killing of his parents and him having to live with the Dursleys that makes him able to do that. Because I'm also thinking about an 11-year-old who can see himself damaging someone like that and be, oh, you know? Because it's, like, that whole thing about, like, the gun versus the knife. Like, it's harder to, like, stab someone than it is, sorry, I actually did the motion of stabbing Molly and she, um, than it is to, like, you know, shoot them, because there's, right. like, a degree Pull of separation, versus, like, stick it in but there. to, like, put your hands on someone's face and burn their flesh is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I say. My notes just has a lot in all caps. Um, a happier note, Fred and George sending Harry a toilet. I know, I love that. <laughs> Wait, are you already there? Yeah, I, okay. that's all I have until, so you can talk about, I'm sorry. No, I mean, that. I'm pretty much, um, past that, just a little bit, but I thought you had, like, a lot more. I do have a lot more, but, like, about the stuff that happens later. Um, that slays me, I love it. Yeah, especially because that comes back. Like, that was in the beginning. That was in yeah. the first couple chapters or whatever. I love it. Um, how do you destroy the stone? I was thinking. I feel like it's not that hard to destroy. But I also watch a lot of Full Metal Alchemist. I don't even know what that is. That's a show about... That also centers around... It's an anime that centers around uh, the Philosopher's Stone. Oh. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it is so powerful that what do you use to break it? Like your wand? Yeah, I guess like a, a spell where you crush it. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I'm guessing there must be a spell. But. Yeah, I'm guessing it's not as like hard as like destroying a horcrux because it's still something that. You have to be able to break it down to put it in a potion anyway. So, I feel... Or you just boil around it, maybe. So maybe it is impervious to... I don't know. Yeah. Um, Another, like, drop-in line. Um, you know, the stone was really not such a wonderful thing. As much money and life as you could want. The two things most human beings would choose above all. The trouble is... Humans do have a knack of choosing precisely those things that are worst for them. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting coming from Dumbledore, because we know that he doesn't choose things that are good for him usually, and I was thinking, like, Galette, and just um, some of his other, like, personal choices that he makes. 
Um, and it sounds like he's kind of speaking from experience. Yeah. I mean, not about money or the elixir of life, but just like him about s- yeah himself in general. Totally humans agree. having a neck. Yeah. I have a bone to pick with Dumbledore when Dumbledore's like, "Oh, you got so Hermione's letter got to you in time," and he's like, "Oh, it must have the owl and I must have passed because as soon as I got there, I realized that I really should be at the school just in time, just in time." My arse, Dumbledore. Um, actually, my notes say my shiny arse because what? What you certainly knew from the beginning, like what about London when you got there made you be like, oh, you know what? I definitely have to be at the school. And even Harry thinks it's she says it later in this chapter that he's like, I think Dumbledore wanted me to have a chance to uh, go get have a go at Voldemort. Because guess what? If Harry can figure it out, it's definitely true because Harry can figure out almost nothing. (laughs) Also... McGonagall told them that Dumbledore left like hours before they went down to the yeah like he could have gotten to and from London much sooner yeah yeah and also he's Hermione says later that they didn't even send the owl that they ran into Dumbledore on the way yeah. to the owlery so Dumbledore was just like we must have passed in midair like <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. But also, I said, this is, I think, the proof that we needed. Like, we've been looking for definitive proof. And I think this plus, like, Harry's line about, like, I think Dumbledore wanted me to uh, have a go at Voldemort, I think, is our proof for your theory. Which is not a theory, but fact in my brain now. And I'm just, I'm done. Um, I just said to him... Talking about Quirrell, like, he left Quirrell to die. Like, just left to die, dot, 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 overlooked, just powered through. Like, a professor of yours just died in your school. <laughs> no big deal. Oy. Yikes. To the well-organized mind, death is but the next big adventure. All right, Dumbledore. Love that quote. Sad, but... There's a lot of great, and I wrote this in my notes, there are a lot of great quotes about death mm-hmm. in this section. The, um... He didn't realize that love, as powerful as your mother's for you, leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It's in your very skin. Quirrell, full of hatred, greed and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. I love that quote because especially when I think about how J.K. Rowling's mom died while she was writing this book, and I think you can just see her grief in yes. these lines. And she's and trying really to grapple trying, with it. Trying to grapple with it, and also, like, for her readers, she's trying to, like, give you some sort of hope, something to hold on to, like the same way uh, Dumbledore is trying to give Harry that hope. And I think it's really sad, obviously, to think about her going through that, but um, but beautiful how beautiful she deals how, with it. Yeah, yeah, how she channeled it into her art. 
Um, on the flip side, though, for Dumbledore, another quote, <laughs> the truth, Dumbledore side, it is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a very good reason not to, in which case I beg you'll forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Um, just, that's just so clutch Dumbledore being like, the truth is a terrible thing. I'm, like, rolling my eyes right now. Like, <laughs> I have no words. Look, here's my thing about Dumbledore, and I've written it down at, in this way in my notes. Classic Dumbledore showing up at the end of the book to give wisdom best used at the beginning of the book. But not valued at the beginning of the book. Like, it's only valued after the fact. Do you know what I mean? Yes, but, like, if he had given Harry, like, half the thing, half the advice he had at the... I don't know. I don't know if, for this book, I don't know if Harry really needed the advice. Like, I don't think Harry like needed advice. Like, the fear of the name thing, though. Well, that's, like, invite Like, just even talking to him about Voldemort was, like, sort of things that, like... But I think they can have that conversation because now Harry's met him. Yeah. I think in other books, for sure, advice better at the beginning. But in this one, I think it makes sense to do it at the end, both literary and also in reality, because... No, it definitely makes sense yeah. literarily to do it at the end. I just was like, okay, Dumbledore. Like, um, I also think it's funny how Dumbledore always corrects Harry on saying Professor Snape, and... But he doesn't correct him when he calls refers to Quirrell as Quirrell. Like, he, he just does it with Snape. And I think even, like, McGonagall, he'll say, like, McGonagall. And, like, it doesn't matter. It's only with Snape that he corrects him. And I just want to know if he's, like, trying to, like, send Harry a message. Like, you need to respect him. Like, I, I don't know. Is he just trying to get Harry to like Snape and he thinks that's the best way? I don't know. The whole... I get mad at Dumbledore with this whole Snape thing because, like, I really... Snape listens to Dumbledore, and I get mad that Dumbledore doesn't intervene with Snape's, like... Abuse. Abuse of Harry sooner, like... But also, it, like, like, wants Harry to, like, me. like Snape. Right, yeah, like, it just, like, it really frustrates and me. Harry like, has I never no reason understood to. why he lets Snape treat the students like that, so... From that standpoint, every time he corrects Harry and is like, call him professor, I'm like, yeah, but. And then in the next line, I just turn the page. He says, and then your father did something Snape could never forgive. He doesn't even say it then. He doesn't even say professor. Ugh. I, do, I just think it's hypocritical. That's all. Agreed. I also, that that line, this this whole father thing is really, what are, what are we talking about and here? And that's a lie. Yeah, it is a lie. That's it's, not why Snape did what he did. Right, but I can't tell if it's, like, a lie because uh, J.K. Rowling hadn't sorted out this whole Lily thing yet, or if Dumbledore is just flat out not telling the truth. Like, nothing made him tell... Nothing about this situation needed Dumbledore to tell Harry that, um, that Snape... 
did this because Harry's father saved him. Like, I get that she's referencing the whole Lupin thing, but Snape... Which Snape does not consider it saving his life. Right, at all. He's like, he's the reason... Which is true. Like, in Snape's defense, that is true. Like, it is James and Sirius's fault that he's in that situation to begin with. Now, you could look at it as, like, saving his soul. Like... Uh, but I also don't think that's James that did that. It's definitely Lily who's cha- saved his soul in terms of the reason why Snape is not on Voldemort's side but on the light now is because of Lily. So it's like in no way that you try to make whatever Dumbledore is saying the truth. I mean, is that little bit where he says like Snape just wanted to keep hating James and like kind of always like held this thing about James like going back to save him which technically James does do that so maybe like I think that Dumbledore knows how to lie so this is a morsel of truth I think I think it's a morsel of truth I don't think it's the reason behind Snape doing what he does I think that comes from his love for Lily but I think there there might have been a morsel of truth about like saving Harry's life so precisely as the Quidditch thing because Snape never does anything like that again, I don't think. Where he, like, literally is doing, like, counter jinxes to save Harry's life. But he doesn't really have to, either. Like, I don't know. I just, I think that they're... I th- like, Harry gets pretty self-sufficient in terms of saving his own life. Like, he's never in that but- obvious of danger where... Because when when Harry and Ron and Hermione uh, leave in the whole serious thing, Snape does stand in front of Harry, Ron, and Hermione to protect them. That's in the movie. Is that not in the book? He does. He definitely follows He's them and comes out. after them. Yes, but it's after Harry already saves them. Yeah, I'm. No, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying he does come after him. Like he does show. And, and I think that, again, is, like, the whole Lily thing. But I mean, like, how much effort he puts into the first book, I don't think it's, like, carried out. Like, I think he definitely puts more effort in this book. I think we see more of the effort in this book because he's the... It's Red your Harry. first... Yeah, and it's your, it's your first introduction to him. But I think he has the same level of commitment in the rest of them. I mean, you don't think there's a morsel of truth to the whole, like, he did want to keep hating James so he was like let me just do this and now we're even and I don't want to like think that I owe him anything I think the him owing him thing is true is like fine yeah whatever that's, what that's I'm fine saying. but I don't think he necessarily thinks he's done with it because of this book like I don't know I think he's done with the whole James thing but from now on it's only because of Lily yeah that's what I'm saying it just seems, like, insignificant. Like, if he's gonna keep saving Harry's life, that, like, the one-time thing, just, you know what I'm saying? He still has to continue to save Harry's life for six years, so I don't. But I don't think he, I don't think he's as active. I know that what you're saying, like, it's not shown, but I don't think he does it as, like, watchfully as he does in the first one. Yeah. So you're saying you think it's not a lie? What don't I don't think saying. it's a complete lie. I think it's not the whole truth, obviously, but I think that 
in this, especially specifically speaking to the Quidditch incident, um, that was like okay. Yeah, I guess I'm, him volunteering to referee the next match yeah. was a lot. Yeah, like he went above and beyond. beyond. That's yeah. what I'm, in I the, see in that. this book, and not I saying he doesn't keep an eye out in the later books, but I think he does the most in this one. Yeah, because doesn't he say that? Is he for Harry competing in the Triwizard Tournament? Yeah. No. No. He thinks he's like cheated. He's cheating. Okay. But does he say that he should still compete? No. Because I know he does say that in the movie, but I can't remember if he says that in the book. I think he defends Dumbledore in the book. But he also says, like, he obviously did this. Like, he blames Harry. But I think he does, he defends Dumbledore to, like, Kakarot. Kakarot. (laughs) Eagle. Yeah. And Madame Maxine. Well, of course, he is lying. (laughs) All right, anyway, um, I have a, a note on Ron Dumbledore theory. I'm sorry, what? Yes, you recall that there's a theory um, out on the internet. Oh, that, that Ron and Dumbledore are the same person? Yes, and there's like time travel involved. Yes. So I just thought that this was a funny thing that throughout the whole series, really, Ron is always like, kind of downplaying Dumbledore. He's like, uh, he's off his rocker. Like, he's such a crazy man. Like, and I was just thinking it would be so funny if this theory was true and that's Dumbledore's way of, like, distancing himself from Dumbledore by being like, he's such a... Stop (laughs) justifying He's off his rocker. Stop giving it. But isn't that... Just imagine it, though. Isn't that hilarious? It is hilarious. I also do not want to give this theory any cloud. He's like, yeah, so. Dumbledore's off his rocker, alright. <laughs> but agreed, Ron. Dumbledore is off his rocker. Like, if he setting up this whole thing so Harry can, like, meet Voldemort is, like, crazy. Yeah, I mean, him saying, I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance, is the Dumbledore theory. And I think that's what I based the whole thing off of, is that line that Harry says. And it's like, Kind of true. I don't know. Um, I met Hagrid and Harry. Yeah, same. I love that Harry stands up to Hagrid in this little way. Like, call him Voldemort. Yeah. Like, and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Because I'm the one that had to face him in the end. It's fine. It's over. Yeah. Um, my only note on this was, what friends did Dumbledore reach out to? Like, Lupin? Mad-Eye? Because who... Like, most of their friends are, like, dead or in prison. Yikes. The photo album. That's what I'm talking about. He was like, I wrote to all their friends to get pictures. I'm like, which friends did he write to? Alice Longbottom. No! I know, I'm just making a terrible joke. I said Lupin maybe. Yeah, I'm sure sure Lupin. (laughs) Which Mad-Eye is, like, much older than them. Mad-Eye, um... That's it. McGonagall would have been like, but she wouldn't have had pictures of them. Um, Isn't that sad? Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, the order, though. Like, Mad-Eye, Kingsley, probably, like, Kingsley all Kingsley wasn't in the order before. Oh, yeah, he, Neither he joined. Was he joins in the... It's all the older people, like, Deedles, Diggle, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm who, sure who it's all... Have it's sure pictures. all... It's all of those people. Yeah. Um, I'm at the points. Um. I also just love that Harry gets the photo album, like, oh, in, in like, general. I just, I think I might have said it during the Mirror of Error, said, like, that's the first time he's ever seen his parents, which is just, like, unbelievable. Yeah, like, I, as a reader, really want to see the photo album. Like, I want to see all of his friends with, but e- either way, Siri, oh, you can't write to Sirius. Yeah. Um, well, and... That's I mean, I, I think it's not, like, unrealistic to, like, maybe someone who's been adopted who's never seen, like, a picture of their parents, but in this... But Harry's world, been adopted by, like, a loving family, so it's... Yeah, so I'm saying, like, it's not, like, that crazy. Like, I'm sure there are people out there who have never seen, like, a picture of their parents. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking because they were adopted, but um, he's, like, literally lives with his aunt. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of just crazy to think that, um, for me, it's, like, crazy to think, like, never seen, like, knowing what your parents look like this whole time, and hearing mm-hmm. that, that you, you look just like, like this them. whole year, yeah. um, he was hearing that, but had no idea what it meant, really. Um, just kind of put it in perspective. Wow. it's a lot. I'm gonna cry now. Okay, thank you. Draco banging on the table his cup his goblet on the table and then harry saying it was a sickening sight is hilarious <laughs> i just i laughed out loud i thought the whole giving the points thing um to the three of them reminded me of like dumbledore's will like in the seventh one like mm-hmm. and to mr Ronald weasley yeah blah 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 oh, yeah. it's like a similar format and i like that um i this house point thing is so funny. Like, I wrote that, like, I'm so glad that they got ten points more for defeating Voldemort than they lost for being out of bed out after hours. Like, what is this point Yeah. But, um, other than that, uh, this past weekend, uh, me and, um, well, my friend Ben who I talk about a lot on here, and I went to New York to see some shows, and one of the shows we ended up seeing was Puffs, which is an... Is that what you were talking about? I had no idea there was even an off-Broadway Yeah, there's an off-Broadway play about Hufflepuffs, but it's not associated with Harry Potter in any way. I have to say that because I don't want to get them in trouble. Like, their whole, like, bit is that they can't, like, use any words that are, like, trademarked by Harry Potter, but, um... Uh, It's really good, and it's really funny and campy, and it's sort of like the same uh, theater genre as a very Potter musical, except they're clever enough to not use any of the real things so they can get money and sell tickets. But um, there's this line in it, because it basically goes through all seven books, and it's about, like, lesser-known Hufflepuff characters. Oh my gosh, love. And it's so funny, because they have this saying as Hufflepuffs where they're like in their first year they're like um third um 
third is the best or something like that. Like, like they really, like, their whole, <coughs> I guess, mini plot for that first little bit of the show in their first year is that they want to be third in the house <laughs> tournament. Like, they don't think they can be number one or number two, but they really want to be third. And so then, at this feast, they are number third, three, and they're so excited, but then Dumbledore gives all those extra points, and they end up back in fourth oh, place. Man, so it's, like, that's hilarious. really and I just thought about it while I was reading this, and I was like, wow. So upsetting. <coughs> uh, when they get to year four in the play, it's very sad for them, because Cedric's such a huge part in the yeah, play. Yeah, that is really sad. It's rough. Um, well, just speaking of that whole thing, though, I love... I'll probably drop this quote in from... about Neville. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore, smiling. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I therefore award ten points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer as Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. He had never won so much as a point for Gryffindor before. I just love that whole quote. I love it and too. also the all kinds of courage. I will just put Rollin. I love it. I love it. Also, Are once you again, crying right now. No, I'm oh. not. I, I like scratched my eye. <laughs> Likely story. Just kidding. Um, I also love, um, that Harry is once again looking at Malfoy for Malfoy's reaction. All of these boys, uh, get it together, please. Um, but don't. People will write fan fiction about this forever. Um. Percy, whatever. I can't stand you. I'm back. I'm sorry. I couldn't. Wait, what it. did he say? What, isn't it Percy who's like my younger brother? Yeah. Is that so sweet? I think that's so sweet. He's like proud of his younger brother. Okay. I would say that. I'd be like, that's my brother. He got past McGonagall's chess set. I think it's really sweet. I think it's fine. Why are you angry about it? It just seems very like, oh yeah, like you're all for your family when uh, they're like all popular and with all the points. Like it just seems like now is a... I think he was just being proud. Okay. Now his actions when they're not like getting points or whatever is like bad. But I think like being proud of them... No, I think it's fine. It's just like, you know, when you only show up for the good times, it's not... uh. It's not savory, I think, is what I'm saying. Like, it's fine if you're proud. Like, I just thought it was kind of cute. Like, that's definitely something I would say about my brother. Yeah, but you're also not, like, down on your brother all the time. I just don't talk about him. By the way, everyone, I have a younger brother. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Shout out, Sean. He doesn't listen, so that's why he doesn't get talked about. <laughs> um... Oh my god, Hermione crying about getting her points. So sweet. Now I thought that was sweet. <laughs> um, I'm at the I last... Cry. I'd be like crying too. I'd be like, I'm important. Um, I'm at also, the I'm last sure this like all was a lot of stress for Hermione. It always is. <laughs> Everything's stressful for Hermione in But this way. is like very stressful. Um, my last note is just Harry always looking on the bright side. When he's like, 
cheerily, like, they don't know we can't use magic. Yeah, I'm gonna look at, uh, I'm gonna have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. So ominous. Thank you, Harry, for that send-off of book one. But, um, uh, I've heard a rumor, or, like, a theory. I don't know where I heard this. This might actually be, I don't, can't remember if this is from the books, or, like, it's a J.K. Rowling thing, or if it's just, like, a fanon thing. But that, like, your uh, magic, the whole, like, underage wizardry, oh, I guess it can't be. Well, just say it. It can't be canon. But, um, that the trace is, like, it can only sense when you use it, like, around, like, it can only sense when you use it and you're, like, a muggle-born, basically, because it senses when someone underage uses magic, like, near you or around you. So, like, if you're from a wizarding family, it's up to your parents to make sure you're not using underage magic because the trace would go off all the time because your parents are using magic around you. So, like, there's no way to tell that the under-17-year-old is using magic. Does that, that make that's sense? That's in the book. Lupin explains like, in the seventh one. Oh, Okay. Um, because when they're worried that Harry has a trace and he's like, well, they wouldn't really be able to figure out if it was you. They would just know underage magic was done in this area. And like for Harry, he gets caught every time because he's the only. Okay. So that is a canon. But like if Jenny, Ron, and Fred and George all were using magic in the summer, they wouldn't be able to tell which one it was. They would just know that magic was being done in the Weasley's house. Underage magic was being done in the Weasley's house. Oh, so house. it is, it does, they can tell when it's specifically underage. So it's not. Yes. Yeah. But Harry gets, but Harry, when, who does magic around Dobby. Harry? Dobby. And it's, but see, that wasn't underage magic, but he gets in trouble for it because it was magic and they think it's I him. don't know how that works because obviously people use magic around Harry, like in his house. Like Tonks does, yeah. So it's, so I don't I don't know how the Dobby thing works, and I think it must have something to do with it being elf. Maybe because it's illegal magic. Like Dobby's not really supposed to be doing that kind of magic. Um, are is elf magic illegal? Um, like based on their laws or whatever, you know, because he's supposed to only do what his master tells. But that's him. like an ingrained law in their species because he hasn't been freed. But elves are <coughs> freed in general. Like, they've got some, uh, like, slavery going on. There's, like, laws about it, though. Like, with the ministry. That's what Hermione has takes issue with. And, like, the goblins don't use, like, the same magic as oh, that's there's true. that whole that's thing. True. That's true. I mean, I'm just, I'm just guessing because I don't, there is no real explanation. But I, I think it's only, it's only underage magic. Or I'm saying now, like, illegal magic or whatever. Okay. I don't know. Well, I, I just thought it was interesting. I wanted to bring that up because they were talking, Ron and Ron and Harry, uh, Fred and George were like, uh, I always wish they forget to give us that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which by that I mean the slip that tells you that you're not supposed to be using magic outside of school. Um, do you want to do your champion and your rat? Sure. I'll do rat first. I didn't really have one, so I just gave it to Vernon. Because <laughs> we get one line from him. Oh, yeah. Let's go. And he says, in a manner of speaking, you must be Harry's family. 
hurry up, boy. We haven't got all day. Yeah, he's just a dick right off the... Yeah, hasn't seen him right in. Right off the, the bat. Yeah, so I just gave it to Vernon. Like, I could have given it to Dumbledore, but... I... Dumbledore gives me a lot of really good, like, I have quotes, really mixed emotions, so I, so... I have not given it to Dumbledore. I've actually given it to Quirrell, because I, um... He dies. <laughs> well, yeah. I I'm, I'm glad duh, that we could have given dies. it to Voldemort. No, but I'm not giving it. To, listen, I'm not giving it to Voldemort because of it. like Vol- the Voldemort. Like I am because of the Voldemort thing, but just in general, um, this is the most I've ever thought about Quirrell as a character. And what I've discovered after that thought is that I still think he's just scummy like i don't yeah he is scummy like i don't like any of it i don't like that he is i don't know i just i'm not a fan so i, I gave him reading rat i honestly didn't even think about giving it to voldemort i kind of forget that this is like one long chapter i think of it as like him being with quirrell and then like post and i think i was just thinking post yeah um but i'm gonna keep vernon no i like it <laughs> Um, and I had, I, my champ is Harry for the first time of the book. I just needed to give it to him. He needed a win. From me. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. Well, I gave it to Fred and George for the toilets. <laughs> so. They also needed a win. Um, yeah, so we're at the end of the first book. Oh my gosh, it just feels how many points are you giving the final chapter? I gave it 170 points, the same as they got. <laughs> the four of them, they got 170 points total. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. I did my math. I forget about... We didn't do points last week. Yeah. Or two weeks ago. Whatever. <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm also gonna I'll I'll do the same. I didn't do that, but I was being soups clever. I like it. I'll give it 170 as well. I also I keep saying this. I really I hate that all my favorite quotes in this book are said by Dumbledore because he's like a fortune cookie. I know, because like, but I really love the quotes, and I have mixed feelings about Dumbledore, so if I were to get, like, a tattoo or something, I feel like I shouldn't get one of a Dumbledore quote, but it's certain, like, those are the My favorite quote from the whole series is a Dumbledore quote. You gonna leave us on that cliffhanger, or are you gonna tell us there? I think I've already said it. It's in the seventh one, um, where he says, um, just because it's happening inside your head, head, Harry, doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. You have said that. But I think it's just, like, um, epitomizes, I guess, the whole series, especially in light of that theory that came out that <sighs> shall not be named. I feel like that ruins the that one, quote, I honestly. will say it, just so people know what I'm talking about. The one that people think that Harry imagined the whole series in his head and that he never really leaves the Dursleys. Well, um, my kids asked me something about that theory, basically, because I was reading them the part where Hagrid is, like, uh, where Harry wakes up, basically. He was like, not, it's all a dream. Yeah, yeah, is it all a dream? Like, I've, I've dreamed it all. Right like, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, what? It was a dream? Magic is real, though. Aww. They keep calling themselves muggles. It makes me really it's sad. It's really sad. <laughs> 
They're like, we're muggles. And then they keep saying, I'm a muggle, which makes me more upset. Like, I would appreciate it if they stopped calling me a non-magical person. At least they don't call you a squib. They don't know what that is yet. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, so final thoughts on the book. Who would you give, like, standout character to for the first book? Oh, I didn't think of this. I'm thinking about it right now. Huh. I might be a weird choice, but right, my inkling is to say Neville, actually, because... That's a solid one. He really, it's his, like, obviously it's everyone's breakout book, but, like, he doesn't get talked about a lot in the next, like, two books. Like, they bring him back up more in the fourth one, I think, but in, like, books two and three, he's kind of, like, tertiary. In this book, he's more a secondary character, and you kind of get his fundamental principles and how they come back to play later on where he becomes, like, also a hero in in a different way. Yeah. Um, so I just think that his character is really interesting and in how he is seen as such, like, a coward or, or however you see him in this first book or how he's, like, portrayed in this first book. Um, well, in the same vein, I'm going to go with Madame Hooch. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite teacher for essay. Um, I mean, obviously the trio, but... I'm I'm thinking like beyond no, that. No, no, yeah. I'm I'm try- I don't think mine's going to be the trio either. I'm trying to think of Okay, well, I'm going to reinterpret the question. So not even necessarily like good, but characters I didn't I hadn't really like thought about in this way. So like for this read like for this read This read through characters, I saw more um I think Hagrid. Mm, like I like in a bad way kind yeah, of. Yeah, like I, I think I had a lot more um, Hagrid um, frustrations, uh, frustrations yeah. than I have had in previous reads because we're like, we are reading it so closely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of always, especially with this book, I get annoyed with Hagrid. Um, like, Hagrid's never been, like, one of my favorite characters. Um, probably in the series. Not that I haven't, like, loved her. I love Hagrid, but, like, even from, like, early reads, like, it wasn't, I don't know. This is so funny considering, like, our first ever podcast where we were, like, this will not be a Hagrid hate podcast. We love Hagrid, which is, like, true. Like, we do love Hagrid, but, like, I feel like even when I was saying that, like, listening back to that, there is... Like, I can see now, whereas before I couldn't understand the point of view of not liking Hagrid, yeah. I think I can, like, see things from people, those people's point of view, even if I'm not one of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I've grown as a person, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, just, like, well, I think took a closer look at Quirrell this time around. Yeah. I looked less at Ollivander this time. Yeah, that was probably why. <laughs> Um, and, like, I think Dumbledore, too, Dumbledore, too, like, obviously took a closer look at, like, what, what his plan is, and I think that's something we're probably gonna be looking at the whole series now. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's definitely Dumbledore, if we're talking about who I looked at more closely, but I've always been sort of... Yeah, he's always been, like, enamored, but I think, for me, at least in the first couple books, he's always been, like, tame, like, background character, but now I'm seeing him 
kind of malicious or like more manipulating throughout the whole series and not just towards the end. So I'm trying to see these patterns yeah. early on. I mean, I, and I think I've seen, like, I think as an adult, when I've reread before this reread, I've seen um, Dumbledore in that sort of, like, Min- puppeteer way yeah. before, but never this closely and never thinking about... This early on, really. Yeah. and well, Or never thinking about all of the steps he's been taking. Like, I've always sort of seen, like, let me be the teacher, like, this is, like, training type of thing but I've never seen it like oh as you put the steps involved you put the steps together to yeah he's definitely the most complicated character I think yeah in a sad way like when I think about what he says in the seventh one which is sort of like his saving grace like the I did my one fault is like loving you I fell in love with like not fell in love with you well he says in the fifth one or that's what I mean, sorry, yeah. the seventh one, the fifth one. When he's like, I loved you, like, that. Yeah, we will especially talk about, like, Harry and, like, what he's gone through growing up. And, like, I think I sometimes forget what a hard childhood Dumbledore had and even, like, early adulthood. Um, I'm not saying, like, it was as hard as Harry's, but um, just, like, like he had a, a different hardship, like, more burden and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in a different way to Harry. Like, I'm, it's hard to compare them, but um, it's not like Dumbledore's had, like, an easy life. No, yeah. Dumbledore's also, like, way older, though, so I think... Yeah, I mean, he should learn from it, and I think in some ways he does learn from it, but... I guess my whole thing about the whole... Like, Dumbledore at this point doesn't know that he's gonna die before he can help Harry... So I don't know why he feels the need to train Harry the way he does. Like, if he wasn't, like, up front from the beginning. Because I think he knows it has to be Harry. Like, even if he's assuming he's going to live through it, he knows that Harry has to do and discover a lot of it on his own. But why doesn't he just, like, Avatar train him? Like, I don't understand all the need for the sneakery. Because I think part of the power that Harry gets is because he discovers it on his own. Like, it's much more meaningful for Harry's journey that he's able to come to a lot of it on his own. And yes, it's not technically on his own because Dumbledore's pushing him along, but um, it's like the difference between being told you have to do something and, like, deciding that you have to do it on your own. No, I get it. I just... And I understand how that's important to his growth, but it... I don't know. I mean, I definitely... I guess somebody has to be that person. Yeah. Somebody has to be the asshole. And I'm kind like, of playing devil's advocate because I do think there are times where Dumbledore should be giving him more guidance and things. But I think, uh, in general, I think that it's good that he's letting Harry figure things out on his own. But some, there's, like, figure things out on their own, their own, and then it's, like, leaving an 11-year-old in a room with the person that wants to kill him most. <laughs> like, they're... T- like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with you, but also just, like, seeing... Like, he can't know that that's gonna go that way. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Because instead of, instead of, before Harry even has the chance to touch Quirrell, Quirrell could have just killed him. 
and then where would they be? Yeah. <laughs> like, Quirrell has a wand. True. <laughs> True. Um, so next book, everyone's favorite, Chamber yeah. of Secrets. <laughs> you hate Chamber of Secrets. I'm excited to read Chamber you of Secrets. You also feel the same way, though. Like, I think Chamber of Secrets is, like, dumb, but I also have read Chamber of Secrets not as many times as I've read Sorcerer's Stone, so, like, I'm excited to and I go, love th- Lockhart. go on this journey. And I mean that truly, like, I love Lockhart. <laughs> Like, he's such a funny character. Like, he brings such comic relief to this book because it is very serious. Like, but it's, like, disguised as, like, a light read. Yeah. But. I'm ready to read book two. I'm so excited. Get some Ginny action. Because as much as I love book one, it is a lot of, like, exposition. And once you've read it, like, as many times as we have, like, you're like, okay, I get it. I think part of my problem is, like, you could take book two out of the whole series and not miss anything. Except for, like, the diary being a horcrux. But, like, nothing in book two really moves the, the series along. But that's just a character. But I mean, like, actual plot. Do you know what I mean? But you get the history, too. Like, with... You get a little bit of Voldemort's past. And, no, I'm, I'm and you get slowly Hagrid's speaking past. of plot, though. Like, but I'm saying, like, that. I feel like Voldemort's past is a huge part of plot. Because that's true. That's true. But he gets more important background in the In the sixth, sixth but one. this sets that the seed for that. Like, you need... An, I'm not saying, like, there aren't, but I'm just... No. I'm speaking, like, in a big... That was a general sweep. Like if you Because I think a lot of people would argue that the third one you can take out and not... I think the serious stuff is too important. Right, but that... But see, that's, like, the serious... Like, that's also, but, like, character stuff. But the whole Pettigrew thing, like, that's huge. Oh, it is It is huge. And I'm that just, is plot, because, like, Pettigrew leaving is, like... Oh, that's sets a big, everything it is in a big motion. Deal. I love book... You know, we... Yeah, I love we book, both love we, book three. I love book three. That's I'm gonna be saying my, a lot of people argue that since it's the one without um, a Voldemort. direct Voldemort interaction, it's the one that you could take out and just, like, add the things that you needed in, like, mm-hmm. dialogue later. I disagree, because I love yeah. book three. But, um, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about book three. I'm excited to talk about book book three. I'm going to be sad when we first start reading it because when they start, when they talk about serious like that, it really breaks my heart. I know. Like, and they, it, she sets it up so well. So they talk about him like that so much and it really like destroys me. I always think about like he wasted a year with serious. Yeah. I hated him. Stop. Anyway, the second one is coming up. (laughs) I just feel like I'm going to be negative towards the second one. But I think the second one's very funny. Yeah, that's what I like about the second one. I think it's funny and because I haven't read it as much as I've read the first one and because we have all that exposition out of the way, we get more time like at Hogwarts. We get more friendship With the time. classes. Yeah, and I love all that. Get so all I that really sprout enjoy action. the second. I really enjoy the second book. I also like the introduction of Jenny because I really like Jenny as a character even though she gets so much hate in this fandom. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And this book is like sad for Jenny because it's like not really her. It's not. It's not really her, but it also is so important to why I think Harry and Ginny are oh, good yeah. for each other at the end. Like, she's the only one who understands to 
what it's like to have Voldemort in their head. And I think that's a really important fact about her that everyone seems to forget. Including Harry. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. In this fan fiction I'm writing, I... I had to start thinking about how much Harry is hypocritical at the end with Ginny when he's like, they're right, you should stay behind. And I got so mad at him again. I was like, Harry, you are such a hypocrite. Oh, yeah. Like, first of all, I thought about it. They don't do that to Luna. They're not like, Luna, you should also stay behind. Like, Ginny is the same age. We talked about this in the last one. It's because he's, like, in love with her, which is, like, I disagree that he should be, but... I understand why he does it to Ginny and not to the others. It's just so annoying. It's so annoying. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. we have rambled now for an hour and a half, so. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll be doing a movie episode, so stay uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. If you have suggestions on things for the movie, because we are debating on how we're going to talk about it. Because we are considering doing a bit of a drinking game while we watch and then maybe talking about it after. <laughs> but we're not sure if that will be um, horrible. <laughs> so if you have like a fun idea for us to do to discuss the movie, um, you know, shoot us an email, tweet at us, Facebook us. Tumblr. Just like love us. us. Um, we love to hear that people are listening because um, we see numbers, but we don't know if they're actual people listening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just like love to hear feedback and now's like the best time because we're at the end of the first book. So if there's something you want us to change or add for the next book, like a different segment or something, we would be totally Yeah, and interested. we're, we want to like switch up some of the quiz things. So yeah. if you have ideas about how to quiz each other going in book two, please give us some suggestions on that too as well. Yes. Or if another special episode, which we hope to be doing soon, um, let us know. Alrighty. Closing out the first book. Signing off. I'm Molly. And I'm Alex. And, and this, this was Potter Watch. Mischief Managed. Bum 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 bum.